What's up, guys? I'm Connor Ferguson here with Jeff Woody, Colin Newell. This is football and random things as we like to shorten it to fart. Uh, before we get started today, I want to talk to you about the Wiffles Hybrids Independent Corn Breeding Program. At Wiffles, the team of plant breeders and technicians concentrate solely on corn. The result, a level of effort uncommon in the seed business, especially among companies marketing seed uh, for multiple crops. Uh, at Wiffles Hybrids, we've intense, we intensely focus on developing hybrids for the heart of the Corn Belt. How about that? The greatest independent company on the face of the planet Earth, it is Wiffles Hybrids. They present football and random things. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. I also really appreciate the uh, NPR volume level that you got going on. I try, to, I try to mix it up. <laughs> yeah, very calm. It's very calm. Yeah. It's very yes. nice. I was very calm all very Saturday night watching that football game. Right? I, was, I was almost asleep by the midway through the third quarter, and in a good way, yes. where you're like, there was no stress to that game. It was comfortable all the way through. I mean, even from the weirdest, the I mean, the best start for Iowa State that you could possibly imagine, and the worst absolutely the worst start for BYU that you could ever picture or draw up. I think the fact that it was like you could fall asleep and feel pretty comfortable out it. I don't know how many times in my life I've experienced an Iowa State game that way. So that was that was a comfortable feeling. Um, kind of like you said, the start, I mean, holy buckets, like come out there, take care of business, and you're up 10-0 before anything even happens. Um, just, a, just a great start. And throughout the day, we, we proved we could do anything we want to do, really. Yeah, you know what's also great? I was just thinking about this. Aiden, you want to double check or fact check this? I think Iowa State, the last four times that Iowa State has played a game in uh, the mountain or, or so whether four and one in the mountain or Pacific time zones, with the only loss being at Colorado in 2010, because there's the Insight Bowl in 2009, mm-hmm. Colorado in 2010. Didn't go anywhere until the Fiesta Bowl when you guys UNLV. won. Won there, and then UNLV, 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 was, UNLV after, was that yeah. year. No, it was after. Well, that was the next. Then next the UNLV year. was the year after that. Then going out to Provo. So yeah. in the Mountain and Pacific time zones, I think I, the last five, five times Iowa State's gone, there's four and one in the last five, with one loss to, at Colorado. So bring on the Western teams, man. It's, it's a staple of the program. Bring on <laughs> the, the Western West teams. Coast road trips. And, and the coolest thing about it is they were twenty-one and zero in games yes. after. Darker after sunset, right? That's the so. first one they've lost since they. Uh, it was over COVID. They yeah. scheduled a game with BYU in like forty-eight hours okay. because they were both undefeated and with wanted Utah? to prove themselves. Uh, BYU in Coastal Carolina. Oh, okay. So, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, because there was That's a game. The first that one Coast, it was like Coastal's game got canceled because some other team had COVID, and BYU was like, "All right, we'll take it." Yeah, yeah. That was one of the cooler college football stories, and we got some cool ones for this weekend. But that was one of the cooler ones that I remember from. Especially like how tumultuous that year was. It was like a that was middle a finger to all the eighties that were like, "You can't just schedule a game in twenty four hours." They're like, "Yeah, we can. We just go, we <laughs> just did it. We just did. We're, <laughs> we're flying out to Carolina." Yeah, our go. biggest problem is figuring out if we get a flight out there. Yeah, um, but no, that was BYU is worse than I expected them to be. I think Iowa State came out and played really well too. Yeah, I think it was I think both had, things at the yeah, same time. I think yeah. it was a combination, and I mean. When you go out there and win 45 to 13, makes you feel pretty good about uh, rolling into Texas week. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, and before we really hop into the game, uh, I wanted to put this out there that uh, that was Matt Campbell's sixth uh, season with an above 500 record in conference play. Uh, before that, from 1945 to 2016, this is from uh, the great Mike Green, uh, Iowa State had seven total. So he is. Goat. In the past eight years, gotten to six. It's not really even, like, arguable at all. Like, Matt Campbell's the best coach in the history of Iowa State football. Yes. By a ways. Like, by a a significant margin. He is the Usain Bolt to everybody else's just, I don't know, JV sprinter. And to think that people wanted him gone a couple months ago, it just shows, like, what are we thinking? Like, we are so lucky. Like, whatever it takes for this guy to stay here... Just for personally, like for the relationships that he's built with his players and the program he's built, like Iowa State fans should be more proud of what he does for people in the community and kids in the program than the results. The the thing that doesn't reach casual fans enough, especially because you're not usually in the thick of a race to go to the Big 12 title game. So finishing the difference between fourth and seventh or third and fifth, like doesn't ever come up. In Big 12 basketball, you get the seating of the tournament and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's where the disconnect is, is like fans just don't pay attention to the standings <clears throat> as much as they do in basketball. 
So that Big 12 success is kind of like, as we like to say, into the ether yeah. a little to an extent uh, with a casual fan. Yeah, and I also think that there is such a recency bias. Like the thing with basketball is there's been what, like the the last undefeated team in the regular season was Kentucky in like 2011 or something like that. And of the, other than that, like there's the expectation of losses, but undefeated teams happen fairly regularly in football, but there's like two a yeah. season. But people, so people like see that there is an undefeated team, like, oh, Georgia didn't lose. So I'm mad that we lost. It's like, okay, yeah, you can also be mad that you lost, but in the same light, uh, happens to everybody. So I think that, I don't know. I, I feel like the, another thing just about the appreciation of the Campbell coaching staff and Nate Shehoss, I mean, that might've been his best game. Unbelievable. And the, when, when people think about a game, they think about this particular game because they're watching it and they don't think about all the context that led up to that game. And so then you think, you know, we've kind of tried to mention at least a little bit of like exceptionally young roster, tremendously young roster to get this young roster to be functioning at the level that they are is insane. And to deal with all the off season stuff that goes into it, that it's not just Saturday from 9 15 to whatever 1 a.m whatever it was it's not just that like it's all the rest of it and i think people forget or don't realize the difficulty of getting something to that point so yeah to me it feels like there's a lack of appreciation or understanding of like how much it takes to get here so this i don't need this it feels like 2017 and this season might have might be the best coaching jobs that the staff has had to do and i would maybe even put this one as as the top pretty much regardless of what the rest happens the rest of the year because of all the shit that happened in the off season, how much, how many young players you got to just like throw into the fire and say, all right, good luck. We got to learn. Got to learn. Good luck, Rocco. Hey, Boniface, uh, have fun, buddy. You got a true freshman next to you and a guy on the other tackled who's played football for like three years. Uh, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel to me, it feels like that. That's the biggest thing is that there's just an under, an, people don't understand how difficult it is to do that. So they just look at the games on Saturday and they go, Oh, we lost to Kansas. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's better, there's more to it. Some more stats for you. I'm just going to rattle these <clears> off. Cause otherwise we'll be talking here for a while. Uh, Iowa state <laughs> has now won three straight conference road games in the same season for the first time since 1978. Uh, the Cyclones have secured bowl eligibility for the sixth time in the last seven seasons. Uh, and that's a first in program history as well. Well, more than the prior to Campbell getting here, didn't we go to like five bowl games ever? Uh, it's more than that. Maybe like eight or nine. I don't okay. know the number on the exact. Cause I, I remember we went to three and like, that was a record when yeah. we went to three in five years. Do you remember what game was it? No, nah, too. It's too deep of a pull. I think it was Missouri or something. You guys beat Mizzou to clinch bowl eligibility or something. It might have been the year you beat Oklahoma State. 2000, well, that was the game. That, that was the game. That was the game we clinched eligibility. That was a different one. Maybe not. Um, another one here uh, that I was looking at, especially at the start of the game, because it popped up on the TV as soon as I was taken out in the red zone. In Big 12 play, they are 24 for 24 scoring yes. in the red zone. 14 touchdowns, 10 field goals. Now, can we take a timeout while you're going through? No, I don't no, know if there's any more statistics. You're good. You're good. That is the biggest difference from last year to this year. That's why I saved it for last one. Hundred percent of the sure. difference from last year to this year is actually converting drives to points. Like I don't know what the statistics for last year's yardage was, uh, but third downs and red zone—that's what makes this team actually winning games. As opposed to last year, they would move the ball, they would get to the thirty-one 30, yard yeah. line, and then just fizzle out, or they would throw an interception, or they'd fumble something, or it's just a mistake somewhere, and they wouldn't convert. Versus this year. 24 for 24 in red zone trips and scoring. Hard to lose when you're doing that. And just take a moment here for the kicker. A I mean, plus. Like yeah. the consistency to say, hey, I'm 10 for 10, like on on what, as we all would think, is probably non-kickers. Like, hey, that's got to be 100%. That's got to be consistent. But no blocks, no nothing. Like to be able to have that consistency at the kicker position to say, hey, you're keeping us at this 100% mark, right? Like 10 of these times we've relied on you to make sure that we score points when we, when we get in the red zone and, and he's been able to do that. And I mean, that's the difference between winning and losing ball games. Um, so, so awesome to have that consistency back there. Um, yeah, he hasn't missed, he hasn't missed a kick period. Uh, he also has, yeah, good, good point. He also has that rushing attempt. Yeah. That first down. 
uh, but hasn't missed a kick period in Big 12 play. I mean, just consistency. You can't. You can't. You can't oh, make. I'm that sorry. Up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He missed one against TCU. My bad. That's on me. How long? But that was also we we talked something. We talked about it on kicking it actually. Yeah. So that was the Jack Trice game. Yes. They all had new Jack Trice stamped footballs. That's so they right. didn't get I to use kicking this. balls on that. Like they were using the game throwing footballs. So the snap, hold, and kick, like if the shape of the ball is slightly different, it's like you're using a golf ball that's, you know, a quarter of an inch bigger or a quarter of an inch smaller yeah. when you're kicking. So he missed one field goal, and that was Perkins' worst game in the TCU game because they were using smaller brand-new footballs during that huh. one. So outside of that one, because, yeah, they had to stamp the Jack Trice logo on the new ones. So outside of that game, it's been perfect. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's huge even for – for an offense, like know that you're going to end with a kick. Because imagine in the BYU game, that after, I mean, the, the, when they went fumble, interception, fumble on their first three plays, you get the ball on the 30, whatever, 25 yard line, whatever it was. Yeah. They didn't end up punching it in because BYU had a little bit of juice at that point. Uh, and they get a stop. Imagine if Contreras misses that field goal. Oh, imagine if you go zero, you don't get any points, and BYU can go, Oh, crap. Man, we're still in the ball we're game. We're still in the ball game. That was the worst thing that could have happened. And it's Look t- where seven at. to zero, yep. you know, like, but it goes to 10 to zero and you convert both of those to points like that. It really, I mean, set the game to the point where BYU is playing uphill the entire way and yes. they couldn't ever get back on level footing. You're keeping it a two possession game. I mean, that, that that's huge. Yeah. And the, so the funny thing is I went back and I'm watching the game over. I have not been able to see like the first two to three plays. I saw a replay of Sanders uh, rush to get it to the three yard line, but cause I, or cause uh, ESPN came into the game late. It's just lost. Mm-hmm. I have no clue what the debacle was in the first play. Do you guys see it? Was the interception that was, they overthrew. Uh, Maybe I did see it then. Maybe I saw it in the replay. Whatever the, the quarterback was kind of in a, was like booting to the right and like tried to throw it to a tight end, but like missed him by like four yards high gotcha. and then just okay. overthrew the receiver and threw it to Will McLaughlin and Will McLaughlin picked it off. And that's what set up the second drive. I didn't see the first one. I would imagine it just bobbled kick return, but yeah, the other one, the, the one play, like we didn't even talk about on kicking it uh, when we recorded yesterday. Um, that, that fullback, I don't, I mean, maybe they're nicer on the sidelines when on the second return, the one that set up the field goal, when he, they pooch, I would say pooch kicked it to the up back yeah. instead of the deep returner. In that situation, as an upback, you have not practiced against like running against a kick return and running against a defense is very different because yeah. everyone is sprinting full speed as opposed to like coming off blocks. So you're, that was the position that I played. And basically they said, if you can go backwards, like if you need to go backwards, it's the returner's job. If you catch it, get as many yards as you can and basically just get down, like live to fight another down. And so they would put, you know, you could put defensive end or a, a whatever, somebody back there. Uh, this guy tried to become Devin Hester <laughs> and he, I mean, it was ball got punched out cause he didn't recognize how fast everybody's moving on yeah. a special teams play. So like on the sideline, that's one of those ones I would imagine the BYU staff is a little bit less yelly than what otherwise staff would be. It seems like the personality isn't very like, uh, get in your face, get in your face. Yeah. But that's the type of mistakes that you absolutely cannot make. And that's the kind of st- mistakes that BYU made pretty much the entire game. And they were really, uh, they were really hyping him up after he fumbled about how good he was at special teams. The fullback? So, 42? Yeah. Whatever is Yeah, it? Ray Paula or something. Uh-huh. Like that. Made a mistake. Made a uh, mistake. But that was a big mistake. Huge. Uh, Joey Peterson uh, tapped it loose, and that Drew Sergis kid mm-hmm. that we heard a little a bit true about freshman, coming right? into the season, he recovered. He's another freshman. I mean, yeah. there's just so many. Fre- there's so many young I players. Think still, I think Cooper, Jameson Patton got the start. Yeah. Hey, Ankeny Hawks, man. Freshman. Um which also shout out, good job, yeah, right? Colin, shout out, yeah, Colin Newell. State, state state title game we got in uh, three four days. Yep. Well, uh, what's the scouting report for the Rams? What, what, They're what are talented. We they kicked our butt early in the season. Don't say too much. Um, they'll listen. Yeah, that's all right. That's right. <laughs> they know what they are. Okay. You know what I mean? We know what we are. They know what they are. Good old fashioned uh, rivalry game. Talented quarterback here coming to Iowa State. I'm excited to have him at Iowa State. That's for sure. But uh, we he's got, a junior, isn't he? Uh, senior. Senior. Okay. Yeah. We got uh, we got some dudes who just play really hard, yeah. and they're fun to watch. So tune in. They got Go a kid. Hawks. They got Friday a kid seven. <laughs> they got a kid still named, so weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> now they got a kid named Carson Robbins. That's also he's one of the yep. receivers, and he's yep. uh, coming for a preferred walk on to yep. Iowa State. So yep. torched cool. us in our first meeting. Cool. How are you going to stop him this time? Um, don't let him catch the ball. Better defense. Huh? Don't but let him catch go. the ball. Yep. Good game plan mm-hmm. for you guys. I yeah. think you guys might win. Yeah, Jeez. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. Uh, there's so much to talk about from this game, too. I think Rocco is just coming into his own. I, I believe he only has <coughs> one interception since the Oklahoma game. Uh, when... What would I'm at been? Chris posted he had an interception this morning, and I definitely I, yeah it was an inter- it was a pick yeah. six last week. Yeah. I first read it as in Big Twelve play, and I was like, that's not right. That's for sure not right. But I think he might only have one. Let well, me- the, the and just talking about situationally, like you can tell he's a son of a coach, you know, yes. like yes, because understanding when and where to take your chances, he's really good at that, and it's coming in and becoming a lot better at that as time has gone on. And the thing that he's now doing a little bit more of that he's more comfortable is the scrambles on critical down and distances. Like yes. when you, there was a third and four, I think he scrambled, there's three scramble conversions that he had. I think one was even like a third and eight. Yeah. Where it's also because he recognized like, it's not just like, there's an opening run. Like it's it's part that, but it's also part, I know they're in man coverage and I know where the routes being run are. So I know where the space and availability to run is. So it's not just like there's an opening run. If everybody from the right side is running, let's say it's a drag. So at, you know, two yards off the, or two yards past the line of scrimmage and they're running to the left. And then the next guy is running a, a dig at 10 yards running to the left. And then there's guys running a post. So there's three receivers and they're all running away on the left side and they're in man coverage. Now, where can you run is you can run to where they left because all the, defenders are now going with those offensive players vacated there, vacated yeah. that space so it's knowing your route concepts knowing what defenses are going to be run and knowing where the space you can actually escape to is and when you take off do i have enough space to actually get there he's done it a couple times earlier in the season where he'd take off and didn't you know didn't have enough easily wasn't going to make it, it was like five yards short but there were yeah three different scrambles that he was super just dead on the mo- excuse me dead on the money uh it was third and four got six third and eight got 10 you know like th- those plays that he's making and like that's those are the impressive ones where all right we need a play i'm gonna make a play let's just make it just go get it done like no excuses just go make, go make it happen it's like your buddy it's, it's like what your buddy brock does yeah. all the time that's what that's brock's mo yeah tell you when in madden too <laughs> <laughs> Man, they're down third and four, and you know that you got you got a fast quarterback. And hey. no, I'm glad because you just opened the door for me to compare everything to college football revamp that Aiden got on my PS3. Ooh, a couple weeks back. Yeah, no, I think I think just the consistency we've seen out of Rocco, just the growth too. From I mean, he, he came out and he's played well since the beginning. Really, like he truly has played. He's had a great season. Um, it but is it's just two interceptions by the by the way since the Oklahoma game. I got to do better at fact checking the stats that people send me. Yeah. Well, I tried to credit people, and then I'm like trying to remember that, and I'm like, hold on, I, sh- I should probably check if they're make correct. sure that their stats yeah. are right. Yeah, that's on me, guys. Sorry about yeah. that. Um, but no, I, I just think the consistency he's had it, it's been huge for this team. Not having the up and down, not having the tons of turnovers, not having um, lack of leadership, confidence, anything like that. You watch that guy out there, and as a true freshman, he's leading the team. Mm-hmm. He's going out there and he's saying, hey, guys, follow me. This is what we need to do. Hey, guys, it's certain four. Hey, I will scramble because I have studied film and I do know what's going to happen. So he's he's put himself in a position to be successful. You can see that he's bringing young guys along. I'm sure there's a couple seniors in there, too, older upperclassmen that are probably guiding some of these guys even behind the scenes. Um, but it, it's just really cool to see the growth, right? Guys like Jalen Knoll who are, are getting their opportunities to go out there and make an impact on some of these young guys. Jalen's become a fan favorite and become a guy that's it's a consistent and target. S- and still has another year. Like that's a, that's a crazy thing as we look at all these like old guys. <clears throat> he's a junior. Jalen Knoll's a junior. Yeah. So he's, he'll be back for another season. Yeah. Like that, that's the crazy part too, is that all these experienced guys, these old guys, they're all coming back. Or it, it, they all have the capacity to come back. It's kind of crazy to think that like COVID, like the kids still can take COVID years yet. Like uh-huh. it's just, it's like, when is this going to end? We're, like, really, like 25 we're, really, year old. we're really close to the end of that. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's changed football a little bit. And I, I don't think that there's really anybody that can be like, oh, that's, that's a bad rule that they implemented. Dudes are getting, you know, getting, getting to prove themselves one more time. Another year of development. It just shows that. Um, every year, how much guys grow, how much guys get better, like that continues on for a long time. I'm a big advocate for we should raise the college eligibility to five years because now all the stats are off. And like Mm. like Ashley Jones, her all-time scoring record is never going to get touched. Right, unless someone comes in. They have to score 20% 20 more because they're going to have an extra year. Yeah, 20% more every year or whatever, however the math breaks down. Yeah, it'd 
20 25% more be 25% yeah. more per year yeah for yeah. a person to break Ashley Jones record because like, you have to a year short or like Bohannon's I mean both yeah, well, seven, yeah years. Like seven years because he had a he had a what the, the medical medical waiver and stuff like that yeah all the way through. and then had another COVID year so yeah. Yeah. I mean there's no way that that's going to get broken because and if you're out there going no four years is already enough if you're telling me you didn't, didn't want to see Johnny Menzel play one more season of college football you're lying to yourself <laughs> absolutely lying to yourself so I wish I could see you guys out there one more time uh, I think at this point I'm good yeah. <laughs> I'm film good. you can go back and watch yeah. it. <laughs> you can see it on a fourth four by three aspect ratio uh, you can go back and watch Shaglin's TV or something and see have that you, have you guys seen uh through especially this season I've seen a lot there's a lot of accounts that um not even sure if they're all attached to the same company real analytics was the one I I pulled it from but Abu Sama was the fifth he reached like the fifth highest speed yeah. of any player in college football this week, but people are enamored with these videos of they're cool radaring, you know, one specific player on a field during it at whatever time. Mm -hmm. I one, I don't understand the technology. I th I feel like it's just distance over time and like timed out by a computer yeah. really or quickly. Hash marks but or something. it's still crazy to me, and people just eat it up. Like, yeah, they love it. Well, and it's cool just because I mean, I, I also I doubt that there's like a. Uh, a giant repository of everybody's information. I mean, the NFL, they do, but because did you guys wear like the catapults? catapults yeah, yeah, we didn't. That we had a couple that it was kind of early, like early in the technology. We would have maybe like ten or fifteen of those, and you just put them on the guys that you're trying to track total distance or total mileage, and be like, all right, well, our corners and safeties ran five mile, five cumulative miles yesterday at practice. We should li lighten their load in the weight room. Like I was never going to be i was more in the box so i wasn't really going to be mileage problem but like yeah. as time went on you put a catapult on yeah. that takes miles per hour total distance traveled you it know can, like do like the force that's generated impact like to see like hey like holy crap like it was a physical game like these dudes are beat up like whether they know it or not they're beat up because what they've done is twice the output or 50% more output than what they've been used to with, hey, it's a physical game bash and stuff like that. So it was interesting stuff on what they were able to do with that. Um, yeah, I would sure. I would imagine they don't, like, to get the information, they don't probably have everybody's catapult system, like, up, uploaded to a database. No. But yeah, it's probably that's similar. what you were saying, but yeah. everyone has, because they utilize Everyone that has. Now. Like, everyone. internally, that information exists. When you guys see the black, like, tank tops the basketball team's wearing in warm-ups, that's... And you, yeah, technology. you look at their back. It's, like, yeah. where... Uh, like, uh, you know, if you were to like where the tag on your T-shirt is, yep. that's more or less where the catapult sits. So, yeah, when it looks like, yeah, look, the thing that looks like a sports bra. Yep. That's what that thing is. That's what they're doing. It's just yep. getting tracking for information. Yeah, it's all it's cool stuff. But to go back to your point, like it is so like people love that stuff because it confirms what they saw. Yeah. Like we saw Abu get out there and open up and it was like that dude is fast. Yeah, like, the, the, there was that. Def, I thought that defender kind of quit, but then I'm like, I watched it again. I'm like, maybe it was just like that much faster. And the guy's like, no shot. I could dive and like, I wouldn't. And he made that jersey. dude miss so bad. Like, oh, with, that but it, with the two moves, there was, yeah. it was funny. It's the same nice. guy. So the, it was, it was the same that. guy. It was number 33. It's a strong <sighs> safety. It's the same guy both times. Concrete. <laughs> it's, it's funny because like I told, so I was watching the game with, uh, with my wife and, you know, she's, laid back in the chair about half awake and I I as, as soon as I did that I was like oh like did one of those like oh shit and she was like what and I was like you have to see this and she was you know mildly impressed but like as I was trying to ex explain why that was so impressive what Sama did in the open field when there's just an, an infinite amount of space not infinite but you know what I mean like open open space there's a safety there's a whole bunch of grass on either side that is relatively easy to make miss. If I have a good amount of time, and now granted, taking good angles makes it different, but like if I have a big amount of space, it's easier to make you miss because I set can, it up. I can set it up a lot longer. What Sama did on the two, his touchdown run and the one earlier in the drive that set that up where he's just making dudes miss, just like leaving jock straps in the field, that guy condensed. He didn't play it super poorly. His shoulders, the defender's shoulders got a little more turned than you'd want. Like you want to keep your shoulders squared in line of scrimmage, but like he was going to make a tackle, but he condensed down space. Sama didn't really have anywhere to go unless he moved that guy and then came back like that. You can't teach that. And the, the difficulty level of making somebody miss that bad at the line of scrimmage in no space, that's Brees stuff. Like that's Brees would do that not a lot of people Montgomery can do that. Not a lot of people can make that happen. That's to me. That's what like makes him his ceiling is so high yeah. because he just 
can do that. And well, Montgomery kind of did it in the backfield. Kind of because he had to. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, but like Brees kind of took it to another level when yeah. he got here because he'd get to the edge and then, you know, like pull that same move out of his hat in the middle of a rush. It but, was it was more reactionary too. Like it's like that dude's like, okay. Like it's not like he had this big time to set it up. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> truly like, oh, I'm taking the ball and the guy right there. Okay, I'm like reacting right away. So it's, it's just so impressive to watch him do it and – 13.8 yards per carry. I mean, eight carries for 110 yards with two touchdowns. Like, we can, I think I'll we can work, be pretty excited. I'll work with that. Yeah. I think we can be pretty excited. I mean, it, not just this game. I mean, like, throughout the season, like, this game felt like the game that it was like, all right, like, this guy is going to be consistently legit. Like, eight carries, 110 yards. Eli Sanders, nine carries. Cartavius, six carries. Like, it's starting to show, like, who who's going to be our workhorses here. Like, we got three guys who are all a little bit different runners. And I, I feel like Abu's ceiling is the highest by quite a bit. Um, but those other guys are super talented. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see Carson Hansen. He's getting uh, a, like Hansen's getting a guys. decent amount of yeah, runs. Yeah, he got five yeah. carries too. And he was he was in like he's the third down, the long third and long guy because yep. I would imagine he's 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 the best receiver out of the backfield by like a, a good margin. He's yeah. way got the best hands. But he also seems him and Norton block the best. Yep. So like whenever you. All right, you, it's third and 11. I'm either going to catch a pass out of the backfield or I'm going to have to pick up a linebacker. Like yep. one of those two things happens. So you need a guy, if you have a guy that can do both, it helps that Rocco doesn't f- have to feel like, oh shit, if there's, a, if there's a blitzer on the left side, I know my running back's responsible for it, but I don't think he's going to get it. So I have to move off my spot or I got to look down and I, just having a guy like Hanson be able to do both of those things, it makes it so Rocco can feel more comfortable. And like, here's another thing that's fun and exciting. Uh, who would you say our best? I mean, our quarterback is obviously Rocco. Our best running backs are freshman, sophomore, sophomore, freshman. Uh, Bramer is freshman. Freshman. He's probably your best, you know, interior receiving threat. And then you got Higgins and Noel, who are junior, junior, and Daniel Jackson, who's a junior. junior like also. the this whole, pretty much everyone who has touched the ball, other than East and Dean, will come back next year. Yeah. And the offensive line, it's the same exact situation. Except for uh, Hufford. Yeah, Hufford's the, Hufford's the only guy, right? Could potentially have a COVID year. Oh, he does? Has he taken his COVID year yet? No. Oh, wow. So Hufford can come back. Yeah. Like this whole off, 11 starters can come back on offense. Yeah. I mean, Easton, Easton Dean being the one exception if he's listed as the starter, but then Bramer yeah. will pretty quick. How Bramer they, or even Tyler Moore might even slide is in there. there. Is there or a Steve-o. universal like rule for how many games you have to start to be considered a returning starter? I think just one. Is it I just no one? Idea. I think it's just one. I, I don't feel know if like it's not because when I I look at like Phil Steele and different preseason magazines and stuff, and they are big on returning starters because that's how they did it for years. And I never know because I'm like that guy definitely started at least one or two games last year. I don't that's know. Right. Could, I, I could just yeah, be misremembering it. I don't know. So yeah. I didn't know if that was like a known commodity, no, but I, I knew know. you would know if it was. Well, I, I would imagine it's just I would I think in the I think in the program if you were if you started a game you get like that little asterisk next to your name returning starter. No returning letter winner or whatever but it, it should it is still very exciting and to have that not at easy least of a game, out of but that performance in that second half where you can rest some of these guys and not play a full 60 minutes is massive coming into this week yeah because this week's a different challenge and the, and what i think is is tough about a game like that late kickoff 8 15 out there those guys aren't getting home until 6 7 a.m mm-hmm. so like there is a lot of catching up to do. Thankfully, it is a 7 p.m. game. Like, that does make a difference as far as, like, getting caught up. Like, you don't feel quite as rushed as an 11 a.m. game. I really? Know it's eight hours. But, like, everything is just like, all right, it's late. I mean, it's eight more hours for them to Because you kind of set yourself back, like, a, a day when you're getting back at 6. Or, well, I, mean, I mean, you're going to be tired they might come Tuesday. Yeah, you're going to be tired yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, and, and just for the recovery, the whole thing. And, and when you get out of there and you're like, hey, we were pretty healthy coming out of the game, I would imagine, like, you got some guys playing experience. You got confidence going into this game. Guys yeah. are going to put in the extra work. Like everyone knows who Texas is. Like you're not going to beat around the bush. Like they're a talented team. They have dudes. Don't have the running back, which doesn't stink. But no. it's it's just another opportunity for these guys to make sure, like, hey, we got time to recover. We got everything we need. We got systems in place, and we have a lot of control. Yeah, the positive is there was no NASCAR race on Sunday, so the three hours they would have been up watching that they. 
could have taken a nap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all it's those, 100%. All those, it's a big, that's NASCAR a big advantage. NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. Would it surprise you? Like, I, I don't know, but like, would it surprise you if Brendan Black was like a huge NASCAR fan? I want. I need to know who the football players are that love NASCAR. And it I feels like Brendan Black. I will get them the out floor, the, the dude year. from Florida who's a big hunter, like yeah. big outdoorsman. Yeah. Feels like he's like hunting gators. Like that feels like he seems like the NASCAR demographic. I will get them out to Iowa Speedway next year. If anyone knows, let me, reach out to me. Let me know. Are you a dirt track guy or no? Yeah, that's like that's what I do for a living is right about. It's a lot more dirt track than it is asphalt because of where the races are and where the big yeah. tracks are, uh, but we cover everything. Have you ever been to the Boone Speedway then? Yeah, a couple of times. It's a nice track. I want to go to Super Nationals. It's always during Cyhawk, though. Okay. Is that at Boone Raceway? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's the one. Same, same place. I've been there one like time. Did you like it? Yeah. It Depending on the night, that can feel a little bit closer to grassroots than it can like big series coming in oh yeah the night that was yeah. there was definitely a grassroots yeah it was, it was, <laughs> there's some awesome people it was down cool there. like yeah. it was fun like i'm not really a race guy but like i had a good time like going out there and, and if you had walked into the out. right trailer and said i'm calling Newell, they would have loved you there's yeah. a few walk into the wrong trailer they would have just given they you just like who i don't yeah, know who this guy that's enough dirt track talk we're really i'm overstaying my welcome on this podcast yeah, I like the dirt track conversation more than the uh, the other one. The undefeated Drake Bulldog conversation. Oh, Let's go, baby. We're back. That was a shit game, though. It oh, was. my God. It was like right. watching. Uh, was Aiden, a lot of, what do we got next? A lot of drives where he didn't finish points. It's like watching an Iowa game. Hey, I, just, I told them good luck pass him in the tunnel yesterday. Oh, he's got the timer on no, again. Now we, need we to have cut to. That now, time. You, now you've committed it. We were going to keep it to thirty seconds. Now it's two minutes. Yep. No, I don't even. I don't even. Do, doesn't even go any further. I mean, they Perfect. won. Done. They won. It was ugly. We moving on to Baylor. Saturday. They win Baylor. Butler. Or excuse me. If they moved on to Butler. They win at Butler. They win the PFL. Go to the playoff. If they don't, who knows? It's the first time in program history if they can make it happen. Anyway, Let's, good luck to them. That's okay. all. Hey, knock on two, one. Calm down. Calm down over there. All right. You guys want to go around the Big Twelve? Well, I think the, the only thing talk more Texas. The only I'm thing sorry, going into Texas. Track. The only thing going into Texas that I'm like I don't want to say necessarily is concerning because I think the way the offense has been moving the ball and as long as Rocco continues <laughs> to make decisions uh, or continue to make good decisions, then they'll be they'll be able to move the ball. Even though Texas defense is salty, the other thing is making sure that they don't get caught up in crazy one on one matchups on the offensive line because that's I think they're gonna Texas is gonna watch the Kansas film. And say, how do we make sure that we that we as Texas get one on ones with the offensive line in positions where it's going to be, you know, a two way go for a guy making sure that they can solve those problems. That's one uh, making sure they can rock can make good decisions. But if the, assuming those two things are at least adequate, I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Jeremiah Cooper being healthy. Huge is huge. And or whoever is playing in there because they're going to be matched up on Whittington more or less. Cause like when Iowa state has another guy, like miles purchase might come in. He's coming as like the nickel guy as like the cover, the slot receiver. So miles purchase might be going around with Jordan Whittington a lot, but in normal defensive fronts, it's the Jeremiah Cooper position. It's the, the field safety that matches up with the slot receiver a lot of the time. And that was what caused all the problems against Kansas and a lot against Oklahoma with Malik Verdun on the other side is they're going to target whoever's in for Jeremiah Cooper. So they've got to be on it. I think run fits doesn't really matter. They're going to be good against the run, especially without Jonathan Brooks. But without Jeremiah Cooper or whoever's playing in there being really good, this that is a huge weak spot for the defense that I'm would be that i nervous about if he's not able to go or if he's at like 70%. <laughs> so that's something that like I'm watching because they will 100% target whoever is in for him if he's not in. I think uh, just kind of going back to the to the offensive points that you made there, I think it's crucial that we stay ahead of the sticks. Like, we, we need to be in third and three, not third and 12. Yeah. We need to be third and, third and five, not second and 16. Like, pre-snap penalties, um, staying ahead of the sticks, being a first and on first and second down, and um, getting ourselves in a position where it's like, hey, we can let Rocco sneak out here, knowing they're playing man coverage and sneak out and get something. We don't expose ourselves to those two-way goes as an offensive line because Texas, I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, they always have some crazy stuff, and they got dudes. Mm -hmm. Like, they have dudes who can make plays. And being able to say, hey, we're in third and third and six compared to third and ten, the blitzes that they bring are different, as well as um, – just the time it takes. Like you, if you have to get six yards compared to ten yards, it's going to take half second less. That's a half second less you have to block for potentially. 
Um, and just being aware that they're they're going to play more base defense, especially if Rocco gets out and scrambles early a couple times and converts some on third and down or gets us in a third and two and we can still run the ball and make them true play defense opposed to just tee off and and, and get that one-on-one pass rush. Um, I think it's it going to be a huge part of, of the success for the Cyclones. Yeah, and the uh, the thing I'm looking at, and, and Woody, you let me know if you think this is more of Texas getting worn down uh, or the team kind of taking their foot off the gas because they have a lead. But each of the last two weeks, they've allowed the team that they are beating pretty badly to get back into the Three game. of the last four. Yep. So Three of the last four. There the only go. one being BYU, BYU where they just ran yeah. away from it. But Houston almost gave that one up. Uh, Kansas State almost gave that one up. And TCU almost gave that one up. Kind of cl- That was kind of closer than the... Or game was less close than the scoreboard indicated. But but either way, yes. like they still, it was a 24-24, and then it became 27-24. Like that was, they almost gave that up. And I think uh, it feels like, so we talked with uh, someone from Texas on kicking it, which will come out tomorrow, and breaking down essentially like what that is and taking their foot off the gas, calling offenses cons- more conservatively. Uh, the, in the TCU game, they had, the TCU had an 11-minute drive, so... Texas only had 11 total snaps in the entire third quarter, 11 minute touchdown drive, force a punt, get another scoring drive. You have the ball the entire second half. So it's like, yeah, defense is getting worn down. They're just not executing as well. So that's a thing that Texas can do is they can also, they can get to a hot start. They can also give it back up, but on the flip side, they could also get out to a really slow start and they have enough talent to come back. One thing that I'd be interested in, I was just looking up. Do you think that TJ Tampa travels with Xavier worthy? Or are you going to leave them on each, leave them on each one side? I don't know. I feel like it's, you got to have confidence in the defense. Yeah. Maybe a couple of key situations he'll travel, but I would feel like a mad most of the time it's probably. I think it really depends too, and I'm not even sure there's a correlation here. But as long as the rest of your defense is healthy, a la Jeremiah Cooper mm-hmm. playing in the game. Otherwise, I think yeah, you would probably want to stick him on Worthy the whole game if you don't have Cooper back there. Yeah and try to go 10 on 10 elsewhere if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah because he is i mean he is depending on who the guy is but they also i mean texas has enough talent elsewhere i mean with winnington right. and what's, what's yeah. the other guy's name number four um they got enough talent elsewhere but like if there is if i think worthy is a he is a game breaker yes style guy like to me he gives a lot of cd lamb vibes where he can go from no receptions in the first half to 200 yards in the game like Randy Moss that line three three catches three touchdowns yeah he could do that yeah and that to me it depends on where the game is going and Whittington's a guy who's like he is Jalen Knoll I mean they're they're the Mm -hmm. same player and then the other guy's big kind of big play wide receiver um but depending on who's hot I mean that's the nice thing about TJ Tampa is that you can quiet him you can quiet him down if you need to like put throw number two on him bring you know whatever you need to do but i don't know the the defense the secondary is going to have their biggest challenge of the year by far because oklahoma is really good but they were without malik for done it was a different kind of they were still kind of figuring everything out this to me feels like the biggest challenge the secondary is going to face and quinn ewers is is a really good quarterback too like Mm. he's back he's I would have to imagine mostly healthy like let's get after him let's let's get some pressure 317 against tcu so he's i think looking healthy yeah 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 this it is to me it feels like the the nature of the game is going to be who makes who and it's not even necessarily i mean mistakes like if you something like the kansas pick six like that was a mistake mm-hmm. uh of uh, independent of those don't make those but then who makes who forces the other's hand yeah. like that's to, to i don't know it doesn't feel like this game is going to get separate very far like there might be times when it's a 10 point lead one way or the other but that lead's going to close back down and who knows what the score is going to finish at, but this is going to be one of those ones that's going to, it feels like it's going to be tense all the way through, regardless of where the, what is happening. I would love it to not be, and it gets to be 24 to zero in the middle of the fourth quarter. That'd be great, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen that way where there's too much talent. There's too much depth on both sides of the, of the sideline mm-hmm. that like, I don't think it's going to be, this to me feels like a game that I will be, uh, I don't know, locked in and sort of, you know, biting your fingernails the entire yeah. way through. Yeah, it's going to be an intense one. 7 p.m. kick, Jack Trice. And like, do you guys want to see? Do you guys want to see awesome. the black uniforms? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. So we're blaming the speaker for Kansas. So no, we just, had that asterisk. We just played bad. We didn't play well. You can't. Yeah, I don't I, well, I had a padlock stat for years that they just don't lose in the black uniforms. Well, they, they don't a, much. Asterisk, they don't much. The asterisk is outside of the year 2022. 
um, only at home and when the speakers are working at 100%. Okay, so you can qualify that stat. So listen to you the speakers to. and warm ups, and you'll know. As long as they're wearing the black. I think. Patch, yeah. I think an interesting thing about Texas too is is we all know that the, the the roster is talented from top to bottom, second thing, second string, third string, fourth string. Like it doesn't matter. Like they have three stars go walk on there. That Iowa State would offer a scholarship to. A lot of schools would offer scholarships to. They have a lot of talent there. Um, their biggest problem, in my opinion, is that they don't always stick together mm-hmm. and that's been in, in my time there we beat them because we played an entire football game kind of like you said like hey they let people back in and in, in the second half that's something that they're kind of known for like let's go out there let's expose them early let's stay consistent if you get down by 10 it's not the end of the world play yourself into it keep playing let's survive another down you throw a pick hey we're gonna be okay let's get the next one um, I, I think that's just critical for for this team to go out there and, and know. And I think it's going to be reason why they win this football game. Yeah. I, I'm also very excited this game is taking place in November and not in late September. With, like, the linebackers are going to have to be good. Because even though without Jordan Brooks, they still have, I mean, it talent. might be the best offensive line in the conference. And there's a lot of talent that can move people around. Linebackers have gotten so much better over the course of the season. They were all babies. Other than Gary, they were babies yep and they're starting to fill in really well i think mclaughlin and sadowski sort of feel like and caleb bacon are the kind of the guys that have sort of elevated themselves the highest and those guys are gonna have to be good but they are they have shown that they can and will be good Mm -hmm. now because they've gotten eight games or ten games of practice to become good so i'm much more confident about this game now than i would have been now granted us ohio and iowa aside yeah like if this was the week of the oklahoma state game I would not feel like there's a shot that Iowa State has to pull this one out. But yeah. because it's so far down the season with this team having as much practice as they have, I feel a lot more confident about it. Giving a lot of freshmen a lot of opportunities to grow and learn. Yeah, and uh, two weeks um, left in the Big 12 season, Iowa State is tied uh, with both Oklahoma schools and Kansas State for second uh, in the Big 12 at 5-2. and two. Texas leads at 6-1. and one. Um, The tiebreaker gets a little hazy. So if um, you are a little, a little hazy? Yeah, it's I don't know who wrote this. So... Um, this is hypothetical. No teams don't think about teams. The four teams tied. Even if one team beat the rest of the three of them, if all four teams didn't play three games against the other three teams in that four-way tie, they can't use it as a round robin, even if one team is 3-0 and against the other three. That's like one of the dumbest tie-breaking rules I've probably ever read in my life. I'm not saying it's going to bite Iowa State or anything. It might even help Iowa State, depending on what how it shakes out. Uh, but I hate it. It's just disgusting. Yeah. Otherwise, and the, uh, you got to win your two games, and that's that's this, at least the first rule of mm-hmm. what we're going to talk about with standings. Is this like the same rules that like other leagues use as far as not being able to play each other? And it, it hasn't came up a ton, especially like well, usually you're around robin yeah. type of, or a division, yeah. Yeah. and you can kind of eliminate the yeah. possibility of that ever being yeah. a thing. But and you would have played everyone in your own division. Yeah, so yes. then, yeah. that eliminates that problem. Yeah, so it's <clears throat> a really unique problem. I, I'm not shocked the Big 12 found a, a way to write a terrible tiebreaker rule, but they <laughs> did. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. I can't wait to see who gets bit by it. Um, yeah, someone's not going to be happy about that. Yeah, so the- uh, shout out to Imred, by the way. Uh, if you're trying to find all the ways Iowa State can win, uh, just Google Imred Big 12. Is that at the, Imred, le- the, the, M- the letter M? Yeah, M-R-E-D space Big 12. And it's like the first link. He's a Cyclone Fanatic user, big women's basketball fan. Um, but he makes these like simulation machines uh, and puts all the tiebreakers in himself. Wow. Thank you for your service, because I could not. That is A-plus stuff. Huge. Yeah, That's huge, because then you can... Uh, I think I've been using his site for like 10 years now, honestly. Just being able to to apply r- different situations of if this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then what happens? what's the that? result? Especially yeah. because you've got to apply... I mean, I, I don't mean to bring up Drake in like a silliness, but in as that game was going on, we're calling it, uh, so Drake is undefeated in the season and Davidson is undefeated in the season. They don't play each other. If they're both finished the season undefeated, it's all, it's down to tiebreakers. If it's like the sixth one it's, down. Yeah. So if there is, if they were both undefeated in the season, the sixth tiebreaker would lead, would favor Drake. If they both end the season with one loss, the third tiebreaker then applies and kicks it over to Davidson. So like tiebreaker rules, you have, we were going through them in the broadcast, like during timeouts being like, 
wait, okay, what if this happens? We were texting with, we brought the a, the Drake AD who was talking with the PFL commissioner on the phone of trying to figure out what these situations are. So like Iowa State's, Iowa State in the Big 12, I mean, it's the same thing. That like You're looking at it being like, well, if this happens, so it would be like if San Diego beats St. Thomas and then Davidson also loses to this, but then Drake wins here and this, but what if this happens and then you have a tie, three-way tie with these teams? It's a different rule. There could yeah. be four different teams that come out as as the big 12 champion depending on how like a field goal goes yeah. so like this is one of those things like don't twist your head in knots too much as far as let like i would state win and take care of it win, let win and take care of it and if you finish seven and two in the in the conference but finish in third place oh you're yeah you're one right. that's one you're fine with that two i think we kind of came to the consensus that cheer for the oklahoma schools to lose yeah if if one or both the oklahoma schools lose then that's you're in that helps yes. but that's i mean sort of oversimplified but i mean win the last two games and you have a shot and it, who knows what's going to shake out but yeah don't turn your head and not trying to solve it because there's some algorithm coming and boy it work there is a lot of math that has to go into that so we we can go through the Big Twelve schedule if you want. Uh, I did have a random thing I wanted to talk about though. So it's up to you. It's, a call, it's Jimbo Fisher. Is oh my god. Okay. So let's That's let's interesting. Uh, Jimbo man. Okay. Let's do the Big Twelve and then let's finish with Jimbo. Sure. So uh, Saturday opens up ESPN eleven a.m. Uh, Oklahoma travels to BYU. That I think though isn't the line like twenty and a half? It was twenty four and a half. Twenty four and a half. Oh still, this is off the ESPN side. I'm not sure. I would still play Oklahoma. I mean BYU was. It was, it was not. Yeah. It was bad. I agree. And, um, and I think they're probably a little bit at screw it yeah. for the rest of the year. What are we doing next year? Yeah. yeah. I, I, and you get Oklahoma and they're. They got a lot to play for. They got a lot to play for still, especially because they can make it back to the, you know, champ, make it back to the championship game. Yeah. Boy, that is not going to be good. Absolutely. Uh, Cincinnati travels to West Virginia, who's uh, six and four, looking at improving on that record. Um, I, I think West Virginia's going to win that. They're favored by six and a half. If uh, one thirty ESPN, but plus. if Cincinnati pulls that off, it feels like those two teams are natural rivals that will grow to just really dislike yeah. each other because you're going to be competing Close. for recruits. Yeah, you're there. It's what an hour Regionally. and a half between West Virginia and Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm getting my geography wrong, but like not far. It's not far. You're. It's all in the same area. It's the same kind of character. If Cincinnati manages to pull that one off, then that's like the start. Like a little. Match yeah. stick on the fire of that rivalry. So I think just for the sake of spiciness, I want Cincinnati to win yeah, that one. Cool. It feels kind of like a Walmart West Virginia pit or West Virginia. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a great value <laughs> backyard brawl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll call it what it is. Uh, 230 ESPN plus the rivalry. Uh, Baylor at TCU. Three and seven <laughs> Baylor at four and six TCU. Um, that's just uh, TCU, I, I think, is going to take care yeah, of Yeah, I don't think Baylor cares anymore. I think everyone in the stadium should just boo the student government that came up with the blue bonnet battle. Oh, Did you, was, that was what I was that's, making. They, that's what made, they called it? They just made it like this week. The student governments got together and like put this thing together, and they're going to call it the blue bonnet battle. They made a trophy. Uh, and then I think Cyclone Larry tweeted this um, in speaking from be being true. in. Group chats when I was in college, this is exactly how it goes. They said, go to the Instagram post and hype it up. And like one dude said, Baylor, Bears, Arg, Sports, and like three football emojis. And it was like, that was his comment on, hey, we're announcing this rivalry. It's called the Blue Bonnet Battle. That's dumb. Yeah. Uh, so the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number 15, Oklahoma State uh, travels to Houston, three o'clock, ESPN2. Uh, that, yeah. Ah. Uh... Houston has a little bit of spice to them. They've they shown do. a couple different things. What do you think happened with Oklahoma State? I haven't watched Gundy's press conference yet. I did. I know he walked in the room and was he brought his dog with him because he said, I, I knew I was going to need some protection after that poor coaching I did, which I thought was kind of cool. Probably just had his dog with him. Um, I don't know. It, I didn't see it necessarily, but like Oklahoma State, they, I mean, you give up 45 points. That's bad. You only score three. Also bad. Uh, so Oklahoma State's defense has shown some vulnerabilities to big shots down the field and i would imagine ucf, UCF did that got a few of those and they've also if if ollie gordon isn't really good aiden bowman's not good enough to just go out and win you a game or just convince down the field so i'm guessing they just sold the farm to stop ollie gordon that's my guess ollie gordon had 25 uh, yard rushing for on 12 carries. Yeah, so I'm guessing that's what it was. They just Long sold the rush farm. Of 5 yards. We are going to not let number 0 beat us. I don't care anybody else. Anyone else can beat us. We are going to put eight guys in the box the entire time and dare Aiden Bowman to throw. And so that's my guess is they're going to you they'll get some things fixed, but that's probably what the the 
situation is going to be. It's like the Troy Davis effect. UCF rushed for almost 300 yards. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And lot. threw for almost 300 yards. Do you think uh, next game, 4 o'clock on FS2, UCF at Texas Tech, two five and 5 teams battling for a bull eligibility? A UCF, they're... They're rolling going into the year. I thought they were going to be better. Like they, yeah, they, they were going to be the team that sort of like rose to the top yeah. of the new four teams. And then John Reese Plumley is out for four games. They lose every one of them. Yep. And then they, he comes back and like, that's the team you sort of expected to see. And they have yeah. Gus Malls on yep. who like dude one, can coach one big games. And so I don't like you see us a team. Do you subscribe to the fact that good coaches rise to the top in November? Josh Pay was really hard on this on his show uh, this week. Well, yeah, and it's I agree. It's load that. management. It's yeah. motivation. It's because everyone's going to lose. Can you get guys back up off the mat when you lose? And it's hard for do like this is the time of the year where it's hard to wake up and you're tired and it's dark everything hurts. and everything hurts and you got school and you're getting ready for finals and you're missing your family for do you Thanksgiving. Still the, do you still get the dog days feel that like I don't want to say sports with longer seasons in football, but do you get in like week 10, 11 and get that like. Oh, your um, body just thing. beat up. Yeah, everything you're tired. Hurts. You are. It's ready. probably even to a harder extent, though, because you're even more sore than a normal yeah, well, going and, through the motions the, play would be. For young guys, especially. I mean, I was always fortunate growing up in names and then going to out of state, but <clears throat> a lot of people like, hey, we got Thanksgiving and we got Christmas. Like, those dudes aren't used to not having those times with their families or whatever it may be. That it's like, hey, you're away from home. The rest of your family's getting together. You're this, that, the other. You're traveling for a bowl game for Christmas, school finals. If it's your first time taking finals, or it, I mean, it's we've all you've you've all been through it. It's it's already a lot, and then your body's sore. You you're banged up. You're getting told how good on. or bad you are. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just hey, oh, we're in it. Like we gotta continue grinding every single day, and all you want to do is just get a nap and catch up on sleep. Yeah. And I yeah. think one thing that like, I I've always been sort of envious of like basketball and soccer and sports or, or ed, sports that like cross semesters on them easier sports. Job. No, I it's that it, what's harder about that. They're missing the so start and the finish of different semesters, but okay. like yeah. the stressful part of their season isn't during finals. We're like yeah. volleyball and football. They're the, I mean, I think volleyball gets done a little sooner than football does, but like, Football season ends like the first week of December. Finals are the first week of December. So like the most stressful part of your season by the time you're the most worn down is also academically the hardest part of your season. So like that's another thing. So yeah, as far as coaches being able to manage, it's it's load management, it's emotion management, it's making sure that these kids going through all of like what Colin was saying, that they can still actually get up and do it, which is why a team with Gus Malzahn is responding up despite all the things that have gone and happened versus like a team like Cincinnati with Satterfield, which I don't think is the same quality coach isn't. So yeah. like that to me is, a, is, you know, sort of the difference. Not that it changes your point, but finals are third week of December now. Were third week first, of December. Were they first when you were there? The second week of December. Yeah. It's, it's really the third week of December. Third Cause uh, the Cyhawk men's and women's basketball games are on dead week. Well, that's the first week of December, isn't it? Did they change it again? The Cyhawk? Third, oh, third that, week well, of December. That's like seven Second week of December is finals. It's like Christmas, oh, dude. But then it'd be the second. Hold like on. You're, just admit you're wrong. This it's okay. is just how calendars work. No. Just, just admit you're wrong. It's okay. Well, I mean, if you think about like. If yeah, it's this December year, the second. Like the this second year, it'll week. be the second week of December. This is when the Cyhawk men's games are. This is finals week. I guarantee it. It's always the week after. So depending on the year, sometimes it might fall into second. Anyway. I'm wrong, though. Anyway, that sounded really rude. Not oh, I was I was trying to pass. <laughs> no, pass let him know what you subject. think. Yeah. <laughs> no, let him know. Don't apologize. That's the worst argument to do that on too. I wasn't trying to correct you, Woody. I just didn't know if it was. Yeah, I, I take offense to most things. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> delicate, delicate flower. Uh, sunflower showdown, right? Kansas State, Kansas. That's what it's called. Is Jason Bean healthy? Is Daniels healthy? I don't. I doubt it. You're playing with a walk-on true freshman quarterback against Kansas State, who actually. Okay, he lost to Texas Tech. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. Uh, I, I think, I mean, Kansas State. I mean, for a third string walk on quarterback, that's uh, a true yeah, freshman. He, he didn't. I, I, one I think, interception, I suppose he didn't throw away the farm, but. Can't, I uh, think Kansas State's going to win this one by a lot. I do too. Um, I'm interested to see their dynamic on who they throw out there between. What if Jalen Daniels is healthy, though? What if he's healthy and he just comes Dude, back to just play for just that one week? Balls out. Do it. Please do it, Kansas. I hope he announces that he's coming back for just that game, and then he will not play in the bowl game and will enter the portal after. 
You know how badass that would be? That'd be great. That'd be I hilarious. care about this rivalry. <laughs> and then I'm going to go on the portal and make some money. I don't think that you'd a person would probably do that. No. That's why I'm wishful. That It'd it be happen. cool. It'd be cool. All right. That is uh, your Big 12 talk. Real quick, because um, I, I want this to be spotlighted. It's the Texas A&M Boosters, the 12th man foundation at halftime of Saturday's game against Mississippi State. A 51-10 to 10 win or something like that. A big blowout. They presented... Uh, the athletic department with a $160 million check. Just you could buy new facilities in football and basketball for Drake and you and I still have more than half of that left over. Pay whoever you want, go D1 in whatever sport. Like just an asinine amount of money. And they presented this check at halftime of the game and then fired the dude the next day. I just thought how it how it happened and like that the fact that they presented the check on the field was the funniest part of the whole weekend i think the crazy thing about it is like the money that they have down there to invest like 75 million dollars or 77 million dollars they're paying this guy to, to fire him. coach yeah and then they have to go and probably pay a new guy 10 million dollars a year like so yeah you're you're paying this guy what was it like 20 million he has to get in the first 90 days and yep. then another 7.2 million for the next 11 or six yeah. years yeah it's like within 60 i think it's 19 million or something and then it's like the next six year the you next 120 it's amazing the about that but it's all the way through 2030 whoever his agent was as soon as they signed it's it uh, sexton is his last name i mean Jimmy Sexton or that, something like that. That dude is genius. A genius. Because normally, and like this would happen, and so with Tom Herman's contract, I just remember because we were talking with my buddies about it. Uh, so with Herman's contract with Texas, the clause wasn't in there. Or the clause was in there that uh, if you take another job, the earnings get offset to the amount that you have to get paid. So like if I, if if someone fires, you know, if we fire Colin and you're making $5 million a year and you go take another job and make $2 million a year, then I only have to pay you three million. million. So it offsets the earnings. So Herman, what he did because he wanted to be sort of spiteful towards Texas and also like he didn't need to take another head coaching job. He went to be an offensive, a volunteer offensive analyst or or like make $50,000 to work with the Bears as a quarterback's offensive analyst. 50,000 bucks. That's the only thing. So he's like, no, Texas, you are paying me yeah. all of this money. He's probably going there and learning. Yeah. And so, but however, Jimbo Fisher's contract doesn't have that provision seriously they're locked into that amount that they have to pay him regardless of what he does so he can go get a tv announcing job and have his agent negotiate that to be two million dollars a year and that's just on top of what texas a&m is going to pay him hell or high water they have to pay jimbo fisher via the language of his contract all of that money that is that to me is the biggest thing that like will it stand as the worst college football contract of all time dude it's got to be i mean i don't it, think it, there's anything close it's it's the bobby bonilla contract yeah you know like the the fact that he's going to get paid he will get paid 76 million dollars regardless from texas a&m for the next six years no matter what he does that is awesome like i don't i mean jimbo fisher's like yeah, hit take him or leave him do whatever you want bud like go travel around the world for a year go live in i don't know the amalfi coast on a, in a villa and a, go buy an buy island a yacht yeah I don't know, do whatever <laughs> yeah. you want to do and i don't i don't imagine he didn't get rumblings of it or didn't see it coming or anything but just imagine like working your office job and someone brings in a check like we just uncovered 160 million dollars and it's like the next day like oh hey the money's still here but you're gone <laughs> like that was just funny like it's this is the check that we're going to use to or to fire our head coach and we're going to present it on the field at half i mean he's i, I would that's got to be you got to be like sort of half mad, but like that, like, oh, I, I failed kind of, in this job, but also like, that's cool. Yeah. Like, all right. I'll go. I set myself up pretty good. I've won a national championship. Like yeah, I'll go take this. Who would you get? Right, see <clears throat> Who would you go get? I don't know. Who's going to freaking take that job? I, yeah. I don't know. Who I, wants that? Like, I, I, I mean, you have, like, you have, who wants that job? You have every, if, if you want to be in the college football playoff and, as long as you're fine working with crazy boosters and stuff, you have every facility there to go. Win but you right have now. to, but here's the thing, like you're competing. So yes, the, the playoff expanding helps to get this job, but Alabama and Saban aren't going anywhere. Kirby Smart and Georgia aren't going anywhere. Like you right now, you're, those two teams are going to be at the top of the SEC. Good luck. Okay. So now you got to compete with then Chip Kelly in LSU. Probably not going anywhere. What are they paying their quarterback to come in? I'll double it. <laughs> Like I'll coach Texas A&M, the open invite or open e either open way. In. So even let, let's call it still, you, you pay, you have a zillion dollars to bring everyone together. You have to keep those egos together. And if you go seven and five, get out yeah. of here. 
You can't, your, your, your floor is 11 wins. It, whoever gets brought in and anything less than that is going to be absolute just brimstone. Mm -hmm. you, need so a, like, you need an ego manager? You, I, I would bring in Fred Hoiberg. <laughs> like how, I, just to me that like, this might just be the, me, the Midwesterner in me, but like, I don't want that job. No. Yeah. At all. Like no, that, I, that I, doesn't I, seem, that is, uh, that is the, the hot girl that's single and just looking for a date, but is absolute toxic mess. Like I, that is one you don't want. Hey, you're, you're gorgeous, but please stay away. And like this that. is one of my favorite things to do is just think about coaches going to different places. Like Ed Orgeron would be awesome there be hilarious he was at lsu it's the same thing at lsu and he, yeah. he won one he year won a championship and then, and then the next two years i don't care you trade everything for a championship they fired ed orgeron the chicago right. cubs formula you trade everything after you win one it's fine it was that i just that text saying m job man don't i don't touch know why it. yeah don't touch it the, the, is, the resources to... and now that nil is a thing that money uh, specifically with how much they just got this weekend will go a long ways it's just so crazy to me like they're gonna be investing so much already between nil all that stuff like facilities paying all their coaches i mean their oc has to make a crap ton of money on top of their head coach but they're they're firing that entire staff like they're saying hey we're gonna pay this guy seven million dollars a year to not coach for us and then we're probably gonna go hire someone and pay him 10 million dollars here so they're gonna pay out 17 million dollars a year just to head coaches yeah just not let alone not, like, not the OC, rest of the sports DC, they have like is like the pretty money sure down there a, is just how, like how can anybody even like pretty sure they have that? a meat judging program they have to keep going too <laughs> i'm serious i'm not joking there's like 15 of them out there it's really? an actual sport it, that one might not be i'm pretty sure it's college oriented i think texas tech has the best meat judging team huh. okay fun fact for you i'm not, what i'm trying to say is they have more yeah. athletic departments to budget and you're spending about what a normal Athletic, collegiate athletic yeah. department power you want to you want to take a guess year. when the last time that texas a&m won 10 games was uh yes 2011 2012 you want to know the last time before then they won 10 games was 98 1998 or $10 million, or $7 million to a coach, not keep, coach. How do you keep donor base like that? I don't know. Loyal. It's, it's, I don't know. it's Chicago Cubs grandma, fans. It's Cubs fans, man. They're, like, they're just their loyal. Their grandma was the donor there, and their I grandma... Don't get it. They went to Midnight Yells and, like, bought into the Colt stuff. Like... I don't get it. That's how crazy. do Colts stick together? Ask yourself that. Yeah. Anyway. This has been a great show. I love you guys. <laughs> Beat Thanks, guys. Texas. Beat Texas. That's all that matters. Thank you, uh, guys, for tuning in to Fart once again, presented by Wolfles Hybrids and uh, the patented. See you next Tuesday.